Welcome to Take This Poem Podcast, where we explore the rich, wild things that good poems can do in the everyday lives of ordinary folks. I'm your host, Mary Guidis. Whether you're a longtime poetry lover like I am, or just barely interested, I invite you to take this poem. I hope it amends the soil of your life. Hello, my dears. This is actually an episode from Keith Hansen today, so you'll be in good hands. But I wanted to pop on because it's been a while since I've said hi. Hi. I haven't recorded my own episode in a while. A big portion of my poetry time and energy has gone into leading a mini eight-week poetry class at a local Um, classical Christian high school. So basically we're doing some of this stuff in person together, which is a treat. But I do have ideas a brewing for what I'll bring to take this poem in future weeks, and there's plenty to look forward to, including at least one other good one from Keith that I have in the pipeline already. So thank you for your faithful listening, and I think you'll enjoy today's episode. This one is worth listening to with your eyes closed because these are some lush poems about nature and not the little details of nature either. These are poems about the big juicy chunks as the title Lake Mountain Moon might have revealed. Anyway, I'll get out of your ears' way and let them have this little gift. Enjoy. This grouping of poems is called Lake Mountain Moon and is part of the collection called Evening Train uh, released by Denise Levertov. This is one of the last three or four collections of poems that she published in her life. She died in 1997. She was born in England, and then as a, I believe, a young adult, moved to the United States, lived most of her life on the East Coast, spent some time occasionally, of all places, in Oaxaca, Mexico, with her mother who'd retired there, but then ended up in the last decade or so of her life uh, making Seattle her home. This grouping of poems has to do with that setting that she lived there in Seattle. Um, She had a beautiful view of Mount Rainier, and that will be the subject of some of these poems. Her poetry is very engaged with nature and sees transcendence in nature. There's about a dozen or so of these poems in this little grouping. The first one is called Settling. I was welcomed here, clear gold of late summer, of opening autumn, the dawn eagle sunning himself on the highest tree, the mountain revealing herself unclouded, her snow-tinted apricot as she looked west, tolerant in her steadfastness of the restless sun forever rising and setting. Now I am given a taste of the gray foretold by all and sundry, a gray both heavy and chill, 
I've boasted I would not care. I'm London-born. And I won't. I'll dig in, into my days. Having come here to live, not to visit. Gray is the price of neighboring with eagles, of knowing a mountain's vast presence, seen or unseen. Elusive. The mountain comes and goes on the horizon, a rhythm elusive as that of a sea wave, higher than all the rest, riding to shore, flying its silver banners. You count to seven, but no, its measure slips by you with each recurrence. Morning Mist The mountain absent, a remote folk memory. The peninsula vanished, hill, trees, gone, shoreline, a rumor. And we equate God with these absences, Deus absconditus. But God is imaged as well or better in the white stillness resting everywhere, giving to all things an hour of Sabbath, no leaf stirring the hidden places, tranquil in solitude. Presence. Though the mountain's the same warm-tinted ivory as the clouds, as if red ground had been laid beneath not quite translucent white, and though the clouds disguise its shoulders and rise tall to left and right and soften the pale summit with mist, yet one perceives the massive presence, obdurate, unconcerned, among those filmy guardians. Effacement. Today the mountain is cloud, pale cone of shadow veiled by a paler scrim. Majestic presence become one cloud among others, humble vapor barely discernible, like the archangel walking with Tobias on dusty roads. Heron, one. Saint Simon Heron, standing, standing, standing upon his offshore pillar, suddenly, subtly, dips his head to drink, three, then a fourth, and more times, that legato arabesque of the neck, the small head almost a serpent's, smoothly one with its flexible stem. Body and tall legs move not an inch. Hunger, thirst, fulfillment are ripples that lap his surface. His patience absorbs them. Time does not pass for him. It is the lake, and full and still, and he has all of it, and wades to strike when he will upon his fish. Heron 2 Elegantly gray, the blue heron rises from perfect stillness on wide wings, flies a few beats sideways, trails his feet in the lake, and rises again to circle from marker to marker, the posts 
that show where the bottom shelves downward, choosing and lands on the floating dock where the gulls cluster. A tall prince come down from the castle to walk, proud and awkward, in the market square, while squat villagers break off their deals and look askance. Taking Charge Here comes the moon, bright rim, slicing importantly through windows of gray, thistle-down cloud, just losing their sundown flush. Abruptly. The last warm day I caught, almost unnoticing, that high shrilling like thin wires of spun silver, glint of wheeling flight, some small tribe leaving. That night, the moon was full. By morning, autumn had come. October Moonrise, one. Moon, wisp of opal fire, then slowly revealed as orb arising, still half-hidden, the dark bulk of the wooded ridge defined by serrations of pine and fir against this glow that begins to change from lambent red to a gold and pervasive mist of light as the whole fullness of moon floats clear of the hill. Two. Risen, the gold moon will shrink and blanch, but for now still low in the sky. Her pallor is veiled as if by a net of gilded gossamer, and the path she has laid down over the ripples of dark lake water is gold, unalloyed. Daily Bread A gull far off rises and falls, arc of a breath. Two sparrows pause on the telephone wire, chirp a brief interchange, fly back to the ground, the bus picks up one passenger and zooms on up the hill. Across the water, the four poplars conceal their tremor. Feet together, arms pressed to their sides. Behind them, the banked conifers dark and steep. My pear tree drops a brown pear from its inaccessible height into the bramble and ivy tangle. Gray sky whitens a little. Now one can see vague forms of cloud penciled lightly across it. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Open Secret Perhaps one day I shall let myself approach the mountain, hear the streams which must flow down it, lie in a flowering meadow, even touch my hand to the snow, Perhaps not. I have no longing to do so. I have visited other mountain heights. This one is not, I think, to be known by close scrutiny, by touch of foot or hand or entire outstretched body, not by any familiarity of behavior, any acquaintance with its geology or the scarring roads humans have carved in its flanks. This mountain's power 
lies in the open secret of its remote apparition. Silvery, low relief, coming and going, moonlike at the horizon. Always loftier, lonelier than I ever remember. Part of my vision for this podcast was to have it be interactive. I pictured a virtual bonfire poetry reading where friends, family, local poets, and you can come together to warm our hands on some poetry. If there's a poem that has done some action in your everyday life, surprised you, delighted you, or maybe just more quietly worked its way into your bones, you know I would love to hear about it. Email me at takethispoempodcast at gmail.com and let me know your story. Maybe you can join me in sharing it with others as well.